0: Today's topic is worst case scenarios for freight brokers with my friend, Lisa Bruno. How's it going, Lisa?
1: Great. Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: Thank you for being on my podcast. I'm uh, always excited to interview someone from Carrier Direct, but now I've ruined it. But please introduce yourself <laughs> and your company and where you're at.
1: Sure. I'm. My name is Lisa Bruno. I'm an industry consultant uh, at Carrier Direct. Um, we are based out of Chicago uh, in the downtown area. And we are a consulting firm supporting the transportation uh, industry, uh, logistics, uh, warehousing, supply chain. We do consulting to really get that get your business to the next level. Um, we also provide technology support and creating different transportation management systems, TMSs. So, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Everybody else? Yeah, everybody else dabble. All the other consulting companies dabble in logistics and and uh, transportation, warehousing. You guys are you guys are in with both feet. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, are you also based in Chicago?
1: Yes, I uh, I live in Chicago. I live in the Bucktown right. area, so it's just about maybe twelve minutes from downtown driving. So you get the still the Where's the hustle Bucktown? and bustle. It's around. Um, I'm actually at Ashland and North Avenue. So just right, by? right off the expressway, off of I ninety, the North Avenue exit. Um, so yeah, I mean it's just you know you still get the hustle and bustle of the city, but it's a little more you know surrounded by neighborhoods and whatnot. So you're kind of close to everything, but you know you still get a neighborhood feel to a to a degree. It's like that's, it's like a Lincoln Park. That's very nice. Yeah.
0: Oh no, I Lincoln Park, I get. <laughs> Lincoln Park, I but a good buddy of mine lives in Chicago land. Well, he lives in Northbrook now, so it's not as much fun. But when we were young, he yeah. we lived in Lincoln Park. We loved <laughs> and I guess that's not a place for old people like myself to be living now, but we loved it when he lived in Lincoln Park.
1: Definitely. Anyway,
0: um, so tell us a little bit about you. where did you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined Carrie Direct. Sure.
1: Uh so I was born and raised in Chicago um, grew up in Chicago proper. Um, and then my dad was, a. right now he's a retired fireman. So we had to, for Chicago. So we had to live in Chicago proper with a 606 zip code. Um, so yeah. So, you know, grade school, high school. That's in rare. Cause when people
0: say they live in Chicago, usually when someone says I live in Chicago or Detroit, they mean the suburbs. <laughs>
1: Exactly, so that's why I always say, you know, people are like, "Oh, you're from Chicago? What suburb?" I'm like, "No, I'm from Chicago proper." Um, so yeah, grew up in in Chicago, not down in the city, but in like the northwest side of Chicago, where a lot of policemen and firemen uh, have their families and live. So after high school, uh, went to Indiana University. Uh, I studied psychology there uh, with a business minor and. Go Hoosiers! gotta gotta throw that out there. Um, so yeah, after right. after college, um, well, during my senior year, started interviewing, and I found Strive Logistics, and they were are they were a small startup transportation brokerage, and I didn't know what even a tractor trailer was or a fifty three footer or anything <laughs> like that. Interviewed with the company. You wouldn't
0: know a truck if it hit you.
1: No, (laughs) you know I'm driving from you know I-65 from Chicago down to Bloomington to for college. I'm like, where are all these trucks going? So, funny enough, I'm actually have a career in the transportation business. So, um, saw a lot of upside with Strive. um, Started in 2005 there, and I was actually the 12th employee. So I was. Have when you left. About 250. Woo. So yeah, it was uh, very much a family, family ask type of environment. I was the first customer operations rep, account manager. So really grew with the company, grew the department. Um, we had a couple main accounts, grew those accounts, had a team around me, um, eventually was the director of customer operations over mm-hmm. our Chicago office, which was our headquarters. And then we expanded into Austin, Texas. And I just wore a lot of different hats. So, you know, from account management and great customer- experience. Oh my gosh. Working for a startup, you get so much exposure because there's not that many people that, you know, you have to rely on. So everyone's wearing a lot of different hats.
0: Yeah, um, it's, it's funny when you, I've worked at a lot of different companies in my career and, um, when you're working in a small company, you wear those all those hats, and then if you go to a bigger company, sometimes it feels almost stifling when someone's like, "Hey, stay in your lane, follow the process." You're like, <laughs> "And I was always thinking, I like making processes. I don't want to follow them for like years, though. Like, I want to create them and move on to the next problem." And um, yeah, there's a big difference, and and you, it, for a young person, it's the best because you basically have the ball in your hand. I mean, to use a uh, a sports analogy, but you're, you're a Hoosier, so you're used to the basketball. Yep. I always say like in big companies, you can kind of not have the ball in your hand. You can just be like, I follow the process. I follow the process.
1: Mm-hmm. Little
0: companies, you're like, I had to create the process. <laughs> I lived the problem and then I helped create the solution.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, wore a lot of different hats while I was at Strive and then we developed, you know, after going off and using off the shelf on um, transportation management systems, so different TMSs, we decided to do our own proprietary software. So then I had another put a different hat on with that and I was basically the liaison between the software developers and what the customer facing teams really wanted in the new application. And so I was in charge of training a lot of the customer facing employees and developing, you know, working with the developers and saying, you know, this is how we want it to function and this is our vision. So it was really a cool experience in that regard to get that type of technology um, to really bolster and like separate us out from the pact um, with our own tech, with our own technology.
0: So where'd you go after strive?
1: So then, um, so then uh, Redwood Logistics actually acquired us back in 2019, so we merged then into Redwood Logistics. Being that I, they were going to adopt our transportation um, software platform. So, being that I was t- sort of the trainer and really close to that to that technology, I then trained a lot of the customer facing um, entry level all the way up to you know. We senior- doing
0: tr- truckload or LTL.
1: Stry was doing primarily truckload, but we would do um flatbed and reefer and we did it right. LTL and and um some optimization with, with right. some big customers.
0: And then and then Redwood had a lot of LTL, so that's probably why they picked up you guys, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, so um they
0: have, and then they get some truckload experience.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so once I Was done training, you know, a lot of uh, Redwoods customer facing teams. I moved into their managed services business unit, really took, you know, more of a consultative approach with their, with joining that team. And that really gave me more exposure to consulting in general. And then um, I took some time off and, you know, did some soul searching, thinking about, you know, what, what's my next steps? I actually got my project management. Um, professional certification, my PMP. And then I heard about Carrier Direct. And it was a consulting firm that's in the transportation industry and nice. in the transportation and, space. So I was like... And in Chicago, is- no less. <laughs> and in Chicago. So I know all, all the stars aligned and I interviewed and
0: so what here I you- am. So I know they focus in on on the space that you're from, but what besides that? What made you want to join Carrier Direct as opposed to jumping in another three PL?
1: Yeah, I really, you know, I have done the brokerage environment for about 15 years, and I really wanted to see, you know, what the consulting in, in space really entailed. And I really enjoy process and solving problems and working with stakeholders and VPs and whatnot um, to really you know, dissect, what is your current state? Right. Where do you want to get to and doing that gap analysis? So
0: yep. as as when we were talking um, before we hit record, I was telling you some friends, I, I have friends over there besides Teresa and Ryan and but a lot of friends who've worked at Carrier Direct uh, today and in the past. And one of the things I've I've um, noticed is that you really do learn the business pretty quick because you're talking every day to a different 3PL or broker and usually not the laggards, you're talking to the guys who are the leaders. And so I know you guys are, you know, kind of um, leading the industry to the next level. And uh, you learn a lot. And I've by my old friend who work right there when he's like 25, 26 years old, I'm like, you, you got like 20 years in this business, and four years at Carrier Direct.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've, I came on with Carrier Direct about two months ago. And, you know, the, the, heavy hitters in the industry that we've worked with. It's FedEx and Werner and J.B. Hunt. I mean, it's, you know, bigger companies, smaller companies. So, you know, it's really, it's really cool to see, you know, what different companies really want to focus on and what we can help with and, and get them there.
0: That's a cool thing. So let's switch gears here. We talked about today's topic is worst case scenarios for freight brokers. These are the, uh, these are the things that make dinosaurs right the dinosaur events right <laughs> so um so what are so i know this some of this is based on a um um ebook you guys have what's the name of that ebook
1: yeah it was a stress test guide for inter- intermediaries
0: Okay, so we're going to go over some of those. And, and if you want, if you want more in depth, we'll put a link to that ebook in the show notes. But we'll talk a little bit about with that with you today, Lisa. So, what is right, the great. first thing? The worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen? One of the worst thing that can happen to a freight broker, and I think this also applies to three pls and anybody else's, you know, intermediaries.
1: Yeah. yeah so, um, just real quick before we get into the worst case scenarios, I just want to stress. I want to stress stress, tr- stress, testing. So, and just define that just so make sure everyone's yeah. on the same page. Um, so stress testing is taking, um, hypothetical, but very possible scenarios and playing them and putting them into your day-to-day operation and seeing how your different departments or employees or whatnot, or your company as a whole would function. Should that, you know, worst case scenario happen? Right. So it would almost be like, you know, I'm big into sports. So it would be like, if you have a new play, you want to run the play in practice before putting it in the game. Right. So so right. before these scenarios happen, you know, what would you do? And, you know, the inspiration of this ebook really came from um, a logistics management article that I read and they were asking C-suite executives and leaders in the transportation and supply chain space, you know, have you guys stress tested, you know, all of like different scenarios of like what could go wrong. And, you know, a lot of companies focus on, you know, profitability and hitting budget and, you know, customer acquisition and all of those things. So, but no one really likes to talk about the icky stuff. Right.
0: Yeah. We love to gloss over the stuff. Like when you say, oh, well that will never happen because I got Lisa on that. <laughs> Lisa's going to take care of that. And then one day Lisa quits or goes and you go, oh, and that thing that could never happen happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's interesting, uh, during, you know, we're, we're, we're slowly inching our way out of COVID. I don't want to say we're out of it. I think I jinx it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> during that time we've had a lot of people have talked about you know building resiliency right so how do i make sure i have a resilient organization Mm -hmm. usually you're talking about supply chains right Um, and the one guy i had on here jim Tompkins, brought up vuca and now i keep bringing it up a lot the term vuca volatility uncertainty Mm. um, complexity and ambiguity and we live in vuca environments And if you do not plan for like this worst case scenario, like COVID, you know, there are some companies that, you know, we were all, we did pretty well during COVID, but we could have done better. And you think about what if that was just a little worse? What if it was 20 or 30% worse? What would have happened? We still all had food in the shelves. We weren't, uh, no, I don't think any of us are starving to death. Uh, Yeah, I think I've heard the term COVID-19 or 20 used a few times. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, Um, so I think it's important that we do do that. I mean, in these VUCA environments, if you're not planning, you can't really plan too much around volatility, but you know, it's there. So you have to do something about it. The uncertainty, we need to start planning it, you know, and with the tech growing, like it is, you guys are a big driver of some of that stuff. You know, as well as I do, tech is going to, to, to make some winners. It's going to make some losers. You want to make sure that you're figuring this out before it happens. Right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I've always been a proponent of being proactive versus reactive. And I understand, right. I understand that, you know, you can't plan for everything. And some yep. scenarios you do need to be reactive, but you know, thinking things through and really thinking about these four worst case scenarios, you know, just right. prepares you like leaders in the organization and their employees to be that much more ahead of the game and ahead of their competitor.
0: Yep. Yep. And I think one of the other things that's come up in my podcast a lot in this last year is we always want efficiency. Efficiency Mm -hmm. is how do I do it with minimal resources, minimal money, minimal time, minimal people involved, right? So I want efficiency. I want to drive that cost down. And then at some point we focused a lot on effectiveness. Like how do I make sure that this gets done, right? I have a desired goal, move the freight from point A to point B. That was always important. And I think during COVID, what we've realized is we need resiliency and you don't get resiliency just by saying, I want it. You got to do some stress testing. You got to do some planning. You got to. And and I think it's the culture that, you know, if you look at um, certain organizations, they plan on the world being like, who's going to, who's going to drive us out of business? And I think that's, that's important. I mean, because no company survives forever. So you better figure out what's going to drive us out of business or it's going to happen sooner than you planned.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, you know, to get back to your initial question. um, So what's, you know, one of the worst case scenarios. So one of the ones that we've come up with is you lose a customer. That's one of your call it (laughs) top five, top 10 customer So they are having, you know, a pretty substantial piece of your pie of your, you know, entire company's portfolio, of your net revenue, of your revenue, of your EBITDA, all that. Um, So maybe you lost the customer because of service related. Maybe it was because the customer's, the customer internal leadership wanted to go a different route and maybe they're going to go away from brokerages. Yeah, they got,
0: if they got bought or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. Or, you know leadership just wants to see if they can save more money and go straight to asset-based carriers. Um, So that's, you know, one of the scenarios.
0: And you know, one thing I think uh, I've worked at different places that lost business. I think we all have. And one of the things I think also happens there is that is demoralizing because all of a sudden you're, you're walking around thinking, we're we're pretty great. We're growing. Everything's going really well. And then all of a sudden you walk in and the the rumor mill starts like, Hey, did you hear what happened? And then the next thought is, Who's going to get laid off? Like, uh, you know, what's going to happen? And mm-hmm. it, it and it, it it all of a sudden gets you questioning: Are we even good? Like, why would they leave us? You know, <laughs> and and yeah, that that and you really uh, you have to react. And also, if there are people who are getting let, let out of the building that day because they're no longer needed, that doesn't exactly make everybody feel good about working there.
1: No, and that's why it's so important that if, you know, a company does lose a main customer, you know, you obviously quickly see if you can resurrect it or um, you know, save it. Yeah. Save it, put a band-aid in place, you know, do a corrective action, take quick action. If you weren't proactive and, you know, maybe if it was a service related issue, you know, see what carriers are are not, you know, meeting the on-time delivery requirements or the MABD or whatever must arrive by date.
0: So Walmart, Walmart has a, Walmart has a, yeah,
1: sorry. You know, it's like another language that you just like spit out. Um,
0: must arrive by by
1: date. So Walmart, you know, pretty much, you know, king of, of consumer products. Um, they have what's called an MABD, so a must arrive by date, and that's what they grade and score their carriers on. I thought
0: they, I thought they were on in that uh, on time and in full now, or is it that did they do both? Uh, probably they might they probably do both. They might,
1: um, but yeah, yeah, we just had so, a
0: podcast on on time and in full, and I know one of the things um, they're always changing. The bar is always getting higher; it's not getting lower.
1: Oh, it's getting way <laughs> higher. Yeah, it's. It's it's very interesting the the amount of demands customers can put on.
0: So don't let me stop you. So yeah. you were saying you 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 look you're losing a customer and you you can do all these uh, last minute uh, begging pleading.
1: Right. <laughs> promising. Try, try to do a corrective action report. Um. See if you can do a post mortem of of you know getting the customer back. But in the case that you can, I would still stay close with the customer because, you know, especially if they're going to go more of the asset-based carrier route, you know, asset-based carriers obviously only have a limited, a set of capacity, a limited capacity of drivers and tractors. They only cover
0: certain areas. Yeah.
1: And exactly. That's a great point as well in certain areas and regions of, of the nation. So. You know, I've seen it in my career where um, you know, a customer went away for to go asset based and then they figured out that the asset base couldn't handle all of the all of the volume and then the customer was back. So it was it's really important not to right. burn bridges in this industry and probably every right. industry, but um,
0: I think it's, you know, I went through this, um, a large, very large shipper that I was involved with, um, I was advising them, they got rid of a, a, one of a very large 3PL and it was a great company great people. I, there was a lot of uh, people there that we all admire. I still consider them friends. And I remember when it was happening, they're like, hey, this isn't the first or the last time we've been fired. We are going to make sure we handle this in a way that um, that you're going to be, you're going to be very happy. We're not going to do anything. That's good. We're not trying to sabotage the new 3PL, whatever you need from us, you're going to get it. And we did get that. And, and it goes to show you the kind of company it was. And then they were also able to say, Hey, by the way, I know your new 3PL isn't really good at this. We would love to be, um, we would love to call them and do that work for them. And we we're saying, yeah, go ahead. And you know, when you handle it that way, you leave the door open for winning that business back. But when you handle it like a big baby, you're like, well, you're, I'm locking you out of all of our systems where I can give you your data. And Right. I'm going to take you know. my ball
1: and go home. <laughs> right,
0: right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that, first off, life is short. You're going to find yourself interviewing for one of those guys in the next five years and go... Yeah, that was actually Lisa's idea. I did not want to do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. you wanna you wanna handle it in a professional way. And that, that, look, life is short. You don't wanna be in that negative negative place. So I like 100%. what you said. So so keep keep that door open. Just keep the communication going. Keep but and who knows? Maybe the maybe where they switched is not what they thought it was, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, internally, so that's what you know, my advice is externally. Internally, you now have if it's one of your biggest customers, you now have, you know, an account team or account managers or operation team that are pretty much rock stars that can be reallocated onto other onto other business or other accounts that may be underdeveloped because a lot of your efforts and volume and and carrier rep focus has been towards this customer so now you can really you know get into the spot market maybe yeah. you're not spot market, you're not quoting because you know a lot of your energy and time has been taken up with this bigger client and now yeah, you, can you can really develop the other accounts exactly yeah. exactly and you know, you can also match up more um, capacity in the market with okay, where did this customer typically run their lanes, and does other customers we currently have can we provide more support in those areas and really price into those lanes on a contractual basis or even you know spot market or, or whatnot. Yeah. So you know, it's it opens up other opportunities where you can really see underdeveloped accounts that haven't really been getting the attention that can really take you know place in that in that regard
0: right right i think it's how you you know if you have that attitude of you know that customer screwed us and right i'm angry with them and i'm not going to help them and then you're walking around sulking and being mad and um accusing people of not doing what they're supposed to do uh you're going to lose out on on saying okay uh, it's a new day. We're going to do the best we can to keep the keep this customer, keep the lines of communication open. Who knows? And then also what opportunities we have because we freed up some good people. And exactly. and who knows? Maybe you say, freed up some good people. I'm going to move Lisa over to here and replace Joe is getting let go because we got a better person to manage that account. Y- you have a lot of opportunities that you didn't have before. So that's cool.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you really want to reallocate – um employees where where you can because they're already trained up they're already trained up on you know your technology platform on the way that you want your processes you know yep. being run and you know having to lay off and then rehire when you're ready to you know ramp up again, it's, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of costs, a lot of effort from everyone involved. So.
0: Yep. 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 So number one is lose the big customer. And again, that's, that happens to base, even the best companies that happens to. So yep. what's the second, what's the second, what is the second worst case scenario for uh, a customer?
1: Sure. I mean, a, so, a freight
0: broker, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. For a freight, for a freight broker and intermediary. Um, so we would say your second worst case scenario is you lose one of your top employees. Maybe that's your leading sales rep. Maybe that's your top carrier rep who books all the freight or most of the freighter has the relationships with the, you know, national carriers who can cover a lot of volume in little time. Um, you know, what, what do we do now? that this person left. Maybe it's because they quit. Maybe it's because they had to move. Maybe they're out on, you know. Right. F-MLA, Lots of reasons. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you lost your Tom Brady, your Michael Jordan, your LeBron, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. And now all of a sudden there's a big hole and potentially you're worried that they take a customer with them, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, more so, this, you know, our ebook is really gearing towards um just the the gap in just the the right the space they filled. The leadership and gap. Exactly. So yeah whether it's a leader or it's a sole contributor. So you know with that it's so important to surround your top employees with People around them. So obviously, you know, if you have a big account or a big customer, it's not just one person running that account and the man and the relationships management. You have, you may be a sales rep, you have a business development, you have operations, you can have, you know, a branch director, you could have all of these different (laughs) people you know, on those customer meetings that are really, you know, building that relationship. And so the company owns that, that relationship as opposed to one person.
0: Right. Yeah. And I love that. So I think we, you know, companies that have that cradle to grave, you could have a, you could have one guy, one gal who's got a, a whole bunch of big customers and they're managing it. And they're basically that single point contact. I like the idea of what you just said, surround them with. Mm-hmm. um customer service people and operations people and billing people and and so the, so they they have a whole relationship with the organization rather than just that individual so you so when there is that person leaves there's not a big gap and you know this I know this is part probably part of this but I'm a big believer in cross training and um trading accounts so you know Lisa you do Joe's accounts this week Joe, you do leases accounts this week, and that's on the operations side or customer service side. And I think on the sales side, you can do some of that too, because everybody, you know, nobody's going to retire from the companies they're at these days. That's just not the way we're set up, right? And I, I remember the little I was at a third party logistics company, and I used to always make everybody cross train. We document processes and trade accounts so you manage that account this week and people hated it (laughs) they always like i don't want to manage i don't get that i don't like the way she does it and then you get over there and then um but when somebody quits you lose that big account they leave for whatever reason um you're covered
1: yeah and i mean it's also we need to be yeah and it's also just proper account management when you have backups in place. I mean even if the person right. isn't quitting, they have to go on vacation and take PTO or they're right. sick a day or a right. week. You know what I mean? I mean everyone right. needs a break at, at some time I hope. Right. So, you know, having I don't, I, I don't, having those backups, yeah.
0: Yeah, the, when I was working at that 3 pl and I don't mean this to be a downer because it was I'm I'm fine but I used to always say, you never know when somebody's going to get hit by a truck. And I'd say mm-hmm. it all the time like, hey, we got a cross train. Somebody's like, well, I don't want to do that. I was like, hey, you never know when somebody get hit by a truck. I was walking to the bank down the street. I had to cross the street and a truck ran a red light and hit me. <laughs> and so I got, so one, so I was fine. I'm fine. I broke my leg. It had some other injuries, but I oh, remember my gosh. one of my employees brought my laptop to me and he goes, yeah, when you said someone's getting hit by a truck, we always thought it was a joke. <laughs> it was like, it was like a, see, people do get hit by trucks. I was fine. Oh my gosh! Funny. I always said it. I was gone. I was gone for a month, and I was the general manager. So, it but the company ran just fine. So, you, you need to have that. You need to have that cross training. If if Absolutely. you have one person on a big account, you're in trouble because something's going to happen to them. So. Anyway. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've always, you know, I've also have always been a proponent that, you know, the business and the company should run the same way, whether, you know, the CEO's there or the director of whatever's right. there or not there. Like, no one should have just like, you know, set knowledge of this and only this person holds that knowledge. Right. Like, spread the knowledge around the best practices, everything.
0: Right. You also, you just, you, you touched on something that's very importantly. So I think it's important that you develop a company that, that um, values coaching and values communication because, you know, sometimes there's companies where you're like, I'm going to hold this real close to my chest here because mm-hmm. if they find out what I know I'm replaceable and I'm, I, and I can't get a big raise. If I, if I'm, if they know they have to give me a raise, cause I'm the only one who knows this customer. If you say, Nope, we're not going to, We're not gonna reward that kind of behavior. We're gonna reward people who are coaching and communicating and documenting processes and getting everybody involved. That's who we're gonna pay. That's who we're gonna make sure moves up in the company.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway,
0: so the first one, first worst case scenario is losing a big customer, horrible. Mm -hmm. Losing a key employee could lead to losing a big customer. So that's a biggie too. So mm-hmm. what's the third thing? What's the third thing that is a worst case scenario that's that is in your ebook?
1: Yeah. So our third worst case scenario, we thought it was important to call out, um, you know, if a truck happens to be in an accident and now there's a claim, or if they're, you know, the truck goes missing and you know, you can't get a hold of the driver and now it's considered stolen or highway mm-hmm. robbery or whatnot. Um you know what do we do and i think with that one it's just really important to obviously get with your legal department first and foremost but also to have all of the processes documented you should have an sop a standard yes. operating procedure on what happens um so that when you know a situation like this happens yes it's going to take up probably a decent part of your day but you're not figuring this out for the first time
0: right Right. And you know, those I've experienced this myself and I've seen it with clients is that sometimes you're just not covered the way you think on a claim, especially like less than truckload. And when they, when a carrier says, I'm not going to pay because of blank and they might have a very good reason. And, but your customer says, I want to be paid because that's what you're supposed to pay us. And it could be, you know, Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And we, when we were prepping for this, we were you know, just talking about horror stories that we both had been associated with. And I don't think we need to bring those up, but I think anybody <laughs> in this business has seen some crazy stuff on claims. And I think you need to start, you know, maybe it's going to your customer ahead of time and saying, Hey, um, by the way, if something goes really wrong, this is what you would get paid on. And is that, you know that's not the entire amount, and I hope you're comfortable with that. And if they say, no, we're absolutely not comfortable with that. Well, maybe we need some extra insurance, right? Whatever what it's a lot easier to have the what if conversation with your customer than than have the "Oh, uh guess what? <laughs> you know we, we lost a truck that had a million dollars worth of stuff in it right or that's that's you want to have that as the what if first, a lot easier.
1: Yeah. And exactly. And even for, you know, a freight brokerage that may not have their own assets, it's still really a good practice to document. Okay. You get in touch with the dispatcher or the driver and they tell you this happened. Okay. Now what do we do? You know, what are the internal, you know, steps and protocols that we have to take in telling our, our safety department? In telling our customer, in telling you know whomever internally we need to tell because you know this is kind of a big deal. So um, with this? Yeah,
0: yeah. When you're talking about stress testing, and the whole idea is to kind of catch yourself in areas where you go, "Whoa, we don't have a process for that, <laughs> right?" 100%, I did You know, when I say, "Lisa, yeah. what, what would happen if this happened?" and you go, "I have no idea." Good, let's figure it out before it actually happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean stress testing is just all about identifying a company's vulnerabilities and seeing okay, what type of patches or um processes can we put yeah. in place in case of that worst-case scenario. I right. mean, you know, no one saw a pandemic coming, but now everyone's working from home, right. you know. So it's, you know, different things like that as well.
0: Right. When we talk about risk mitigation, making you know m- risk mitigation, this is almost the same thing. this is probably oh,
1: totally
0: first cousin to this right mm-hmm. and when we talk about resiliency, you're doing the stress test to become more resilient so when the next when the next uh crazy thing comes out of the horizon, you're ready so we talked about losing a customer that's a bad scenario <laughs> losing a big a, a key employee <laughs> very bad a large claim a catastrophic uh verdict all those kind of things that could potentially go wrong on the operation side Mm -hmm. Uh, even if you're the broker you still need to understand what would you say to your customer because sometimes there's an expectation that well that's not my problem you're the broker you you pay Mm -hmm. me and then you get the money from the carrier (laughs) you want to have those conversations internally but also maybe even externally to understand you know what do my customers feel because if they feel very differently about how they should be paid out and maybe you need extra insurance. Maybe they need some extra insurance. Anyway, last but not least, you had one more. Well, I think there's two more, but I think one more that we wanted to talk about here, which was um, what? So the, <laughs> What's the, the last
1: one? Yeah. The last one is our best worst case scenario. So <laughs> this one is a good problem to have. So now your customer is coming to you and saying, Hey, can you take, all of this volume or we need help with this project or so now your team is inundated with freight. So that's a good problem to have, right? So your team is only so large and you have a carrier, you know, a carrier um, base of so many carriers and carrier reps, but now you have all of this freight and maybe it's (laughs) playing really good money. So now what do you do? So right. you know, with that, I would say you know, obviously know what you can service first and foremost. Don't you know overcommit because you don't want to right. be taking all of this freight and then having to give it back, and now you're missing you know delivery dates right. and whatnot. Slow,
0: slow ramp up on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it,
0: yeah, it, slow ramp up.
1: More so, just yeah, knowing just say, your think... your threshold, yeah, of like how much freight you can cover, you know. Today, tomorrow, short lead meaning in the near future, um, as opposed to you know a week out or not whatnot, um, right? But you know, also there's a it's, lot of
0: companies that probably live with this.
1: Oh, a lot of companies say, in recent yeah. years
0: have grown really rapidly. Uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, and I think I think there's another piece to this which we talked about offline, which is you know if if it's just. You know, you started a company, Lisa, and then you said I hired my, you know, a few of my trusted em- trusted employees from the past, and we 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 like are you know we're really in sync. They understand what I want. We work well as a team, and then you start growing quickly. All of a sudden, you might not have a whole bunch of really good hiring practices, and mm-hmm. your people were already trained. Now those people have to be trained, and then you have to go. Oh, now I'm going to have to do something with employee benefits. And all of a sudden you're like I'm not a trainer, I'm not a re- I'm not a recruiter, I'm not an employee benefits person. <laughs> so and and then also we talked about this idea of the culture going crazy. Might have been a great culture when it was just you and your close confidants, but now all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of hires. Some could be bad, right? When you hire fast, sometimes you hire the wrong people.
1: Yeah, no, so definitely.
0: It's not always that easy.
1: No, it's definitely not. And you know when you have a set you know, team for operational support, you know, entering loads, scheduling loads, set, you know, carrier reps that are covering the freight, you know, going out into the market may not be, you know, a quick solution. That might be a solution that's, you know, a little bit down the road. So, you know, what I would suggest is really, you know, supporting your employees as much as you can. If they're working long hours, you know, provide, you know, dinners catered dinners for them provide you know if they're working extra hours if you guys can afford it because you know maybe you're making extra cash you know every hour outside their normal business hours that they work they get you know x amount of money right. or whatnot maybe they you get reimbursed with you know a half a day of pto or a full day of pto right.
0: You know I think also I've seen this in my past is uh, I, I read an article about this and I thought this was fantastic they said this company is growing quick and all these people were l- working a lot of extra overtime and they said the owner would come by and um buy pizza buy dinner whatever it was and not necessarily chip in like oh let me do spreadsheets or let me do this but just kind of be there to recognize that you guys are mm-hmm. here and it meant a, a lot and there there was um it was just an article I read, but it it kind of struck me as like, yeah, because sometimes you're like, this is, this is really unappreciated. I'm here at eight o'clock at night and nobody gives a damn. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people who went home at four o'clock and, you know, you know, that also happens a lot when, um, uh, you have people with kids and people without kids, mm-hmm. people without kids are always there later. <laughs> and and th- not I shouldn't say always. And sometimes that creates a little bit of, uh, uh, animosity. So you need to really manage that. So when you're booming like that, there's a whole bunch of stuff you need to concern yourself with. I think you get used to, you get in your head, like, I'm going to make this much more money and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. and I'm going to buy myself a new car before you spend that money in your head, <laughs> <laughs> check out your team.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, when the leadership recognizes the efforts that are going in, you know, um, on the floor and they're really, and the people feel it, you can see, you know, even though everyone's pushing long hours, you know, the morale is not insanely taking a dip. And, you right. know, I think there are other, you know, just a couple ideas that, you know, leadership can do is that, you know, if a customer, you know, sometimes they're West Coast, sometimes they want coverage oh, yeah. on a Saturday or on the weekend because they're, they have to get this project out and ship, you know, 200 loads in like two weeks or or whatnot. Um, you know, you can do swing shifts. So if someone typically works an eight to five shift, you could have someone else come in for 830 to 530 or 9am to six and, you know, shift it that way. So, you know, you have more coverage around the day, or you can do more of like a, a week shift where someone would work Tuesday to Saturday Instead of a typical Monday to Friday, um, oh yeah. So you know, there's ways around it that you know companies can get creative, um, as opposed to just people just staying late every day and grinding it out because right. you know that you know, creates burnout and churn and and whatnot.
0: I think I, I during COVID there was a warehousing company that I'm familiar with, and they said they were really struggling with employees because some people had sick. Some people were at high risk of COVID. So they didn't want to come in. So they didn't mm-hmm. come to the warehouse. Warehouse is one of those businesses you can't do remote. You have to take it off the shelf, right? Right, yeah. So um they had a lot of people who felt high risk or maybe their spouse was high risk or maybe their kids were home from school or maybe they had the problem with their parent or family member. So there was just a lot of absenteeism. And they raised the rate so they could hire new people. Then they raised it again to hire new people. And then they started getting really... um flexible with the jobs where they're like, Hey, if you want to come in on the weekend, maybe your spouse works all week, but you can come in on Saturday and Sunday and work five hours each day. We're we're all about it. Come on in. Right. So they got really flexible. And I think, you know, at some point, I don't know when somebody said uh, humans should work five days a week, eight hours a day, and then they should go home and have a weekend. And I think there's a lot of people who are pushing back on that. I think there's going to be older people who'll be in their 60s and 70s and even maybe older, say, you know, I want to keep my hand in the game, but I'm not working 60 hours. I'm not going to work 40 hours. I'll work 20 though. And and I think you're going to, you might see somebody who says, I got kids at home, men and women who say, you know what? I want to spend these years at home. So put me in coach 25 hours a week. So I think we thought there's lots of ways to get around when we hit that growth spurt I think people want flexibility because, you know, we we don't think of it because we all want more. But um, we're a very wealthy country here in the U.S. And I think there's a lot of people who are starting to say, you know what? I want to go to the gym. I want to see my kids. I don't care about being here at the office all the time.
1: Yeah. So, you know, especially after there's... after COVID, you know, the flexibility of working from, <laughs> from home, right?
0: I know a friend who said... But when COVID hit, they're like, "I hate working from home. I'm, this is not going to work for me." Blah blah blah. Now, guess what? They're looking for a job where they can work remote. They never want to go to an <laughs> office again. <laughs> so, anyway, so I'm going to summarize these, and then I'm going to add one more. So, just so we talked about these these worst case scenarios, and this is all based on an ebook that uh, they have over at Carrie Drake that Lisa's telling us about. So, one big worst case scenario is losing a big customer number 2 losing a key employee number 3 a large claim you know not understanding your operations and the payouts and all that this is a catastrophic thing that could happen to your business and then the best worst worst case scenario is huge growth which can lead to a lot of bad things we just talked about and and one of the things every time i talk to my friends over at Carrier direct it's always about technology and surprisingly we're not talking about technology but i when we were prepping we talked about this idea that I know Carrier Direct does a lot of freight tech consulting. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that there's also, uh, and it's not an immediate risk. It's not going to happen to you tomorrow morning where you lose a big customer. That could happen any day. But it's the idea that if you don't invest in freight technology, at some point, you're going to, it's not going to happen overnight, but you could find yourself behind the eight ball. You could be behind the industry curve. So that's another one that I know. Uh, is out there. Cause there's a lot of people streamlining the process with tech. So absolutely. To too, Lisa.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we were, you know, when I was looking at that article from logistics management, I was, you know, and we were, you know, the other industry um, consultants and I were brainstorming and, um, and our marketing lead, you know, we were looking at like, what are these quick things that just can like, take a turn really quickly that's like a, that's like a meteor <laughs> yeah exactly like what proverbial meteor could hit a you know a freight brokerage or an intermediary yeah. and really kind of you know throw them off kilter or take a leg out from under the table and, you know, like you were saying with technology, I think it's more of a slow burn. And right. like that's
0: like the climate, that's like the temperature going up one degree a year.
1: <laughs> exactly. As opposed for it, like, you know, 98 to like 105, you know, Right. Um. but yeah, you're right. You know, it's 2021. If you're not, you know, being a leader within, with your technology and your platform, you know, your competitors are going to be sourcing trucks faster, quicker, more efficiently through, yeah. you know, digital freight brokerage and that type of matching. Um, but you make a great yeah, point. You know,
0: yeah. And you know, it's interesting when I was still in the third party logistics business, did mostly less than truckload, but we also got into truckload and, um, every once in a while, someone would say something like, uh, Hey, I just, can you get me a truck? And I'd look into, I was like, yeah. Um, I didn't typically have customers that we did spot quoting them. But I remember saying like, you know, $1,500. And then they'd call back and go, Oh yeah, we got somebody to move it for 1200. And I'd be like, wait, my cost, my price was 1500. My cost was, you know, 1300. How are mm-hmm. you doing it for 1200? And it was because it usually was like a, you know, CH Robbins or TQL who had a backhaul and okay. And I was like, Oh my God, that was just starting to come into like starting every, every once in a while. I would go, Oh, wow. They have a huge advantage. And I think what we're starting to see in with freight tech is some companies are lower cost per load. They can just do it for less money because there, there are a lot of no touch shipments now. So. You, if you're not spending on that technology, it's not going to be the meteor, like the four that you just described, but somewhere along the line, you're going to find yourself uh, on the wrong side of on the wrong side of history.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, I remember um, at Strive when we started developing our private fleet division and, you know, these, these carriers are, you know, hauling for, these, for their own customer, but then their backhauls hauls are, are completely empty. And so it's like, in order to, you know, match that up, it's, and then you have, you know, carriers that are already going to pre-commit to these lanes on these days of the week. You're like, sweet, I don't have to, you know, go ahead and like, you know, book that day of or day before it's already a pre-book. So, you know, big game changer.
0: Yeah, it's going to come somewhere along the line. So you need, and again, usually when I talk to people over at Carry Direct, it is a lot. Of, I mean, you guys are all consultants, but it's so much of now it seems like every time I talk to someone there, it is tech. But this is interesting stuff. So, uh, Lisa, please summarize this, and then give us your kind of your final thoughts on it, and then we'll talk a little bit about what's going on over at Carry Direct.
1: Sure. So, you know, I understand that you know it's not always fun or comfortable to get your leaders, you know, aligned and thinking about, you know, worst case scenarios, because, you know, they're working on the next deal or, or the next RFP request for pricing or whatnot. But it's really important to get your leadership aligned and on the same page about if one of these proverbial (laughs) meteors, you know, hits your company and what you're going to do because, you know, employees on the floor really look up to the leadership team and if this if one of these scenarios happens they can see and sense the the, the fear or the worry or panic on their faces right. and when one of these scenarios happen and everyone is cool calm and collected because no problem we've already thought of this everyone feels better you know and so I just think right. it's a really proactive approach and very, responsible move for a company to actually think of these things and think through how they would handle them.
0: Right. And I think we all learned during COVID that mm-hmm. we, we didn't plan for it. I mean, some people planned for it. And again, I think we did remarkably well, but um, we could have done better. And you can always do better. And again, who knows if that was worse? I mean, if that was twice as bad, what would have happened? So right. you want to be ready. And again, um, that's why we do the stress testing it's a lot easier to plan it out than to have to live through it without planning it out exactly. and i think you when we were talking earlier uh prepping you said it's you either fail to plan or plan to fail <laughs> exactly so, so lisa exactly. what's before you go what's new over at carrier direct
1: yeah so carrier direct we just Started traveling again and visiting clients. You know, provided that clients are feeling comfortable and we're comfortable. So, we are starting travel again. Um, you know, provided that both parties are are comfortable and you know people are somewhat going back in the office. But you know, it's been a flexible you know work from home um you know type of structure and you know as as the different you know industry events and um conventions and whatnot start up, you know you'll see our face there
0: Hallelujah. hallelujah so um this ebook that we've been discussing today or I'll put it in the show notes. What's the title of that ebook again?
1: uh a stress test guide, but it's um worst case scenarios for intermediaries.
0: All right. I will put a link to that and I'll put a link to uh, Carrier Direct. Anything else Teresa wants me to put a link to. And uh, um, one last time, who does uh, Carrier Direct serve? Who are your main customers?
1: So we serve the transportation industry as a whole. So it can be freight brokers, 3PLs, um, managed transportation providers, uh, trucking companies, freight. Freight tech providers. So, you know, really anyone in that, in that space, we are happy to help. And, you know, we offer a free um, consultative, you know, session. If anyone is interested, um, they can reach out um, at info at CarrierDirect.com.
0: Excellent. I'll put all that in the show notes. And thank you so much, Teresa. I, I'm Teresa. Teresa's your marketing person. <laughs> Sorry about <that. laughs> Teresa. She's listening in. Um thank you, Lisa, for taking us through this. I think this is very interesting because um again, we just went through we just went through kind of one of those meteor strikes. So it we know it now happens. I mean, and we'd be real lucky if this didn't happen for another hundred years, but that is not how life works, friends. So you need to do your stress test over there with carrier direct.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Joe, for and, having uh, me. And I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa. And thank all of you for listening. To my podcast, your support is very much appreciated until next time onward and upward.